Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. I want to just uh, share with you kind of what I consider, at least for me and, and, and probably, uh, you know, for us uh, as, a, as a community, I pray and I say, God, what's the, you know, what do you got? And I really felt that this year, uh, the verse that the Lord gave me was this verse that we're going to share today. Uh, it's all about freedom. It's really all about freedom. And, and I think that I'm not, yeah, I, I, I hopefully that, uh, you know, in our community you're set free. But the goal is not for us to be set free. The goal is for us to set the world free. That's the goal. So if you're still in the process of getting free, praise God. But hopefully when you get free, you're setting the world free because really that's what it's all about. We need to set the world free. The world needs freedom, right? Um, let me give you a little hint about freedom. Uh, it's just something that you can kind of test your freedom out with. One of the areas of freedom that you can really test out is when you're worshiping or you're, you're even like, it's not just worshiping, but I would say in worship, especially when we start dealing with joy, if you can freely without reservation, without condemnation, without shame, without doubt, just simply rejoice to the point of laughter and just complete joy, you're really starting to experience freedom. That's really, that's, that's kind of my test because a lot of times what happens is when we come to God, you know, uh, we come to Him and, and, and then we have this like kind of reservation stuff, you know. Oh, I, what I, I know what I did this week. I know what I did that last week. And, you know, this whole little process goes on in our brains. And I don't have time to talk about why that process, I believe, is all wrong, what I just shared, but, like, meaning there's all lies in there. The, the, the thing is is, is, is just have joy. I've said this before. You know, when, at Christmas time, when we, when we give our children or now our grandchildren because we don't give our children any more presents. I'm kidding. Um, when we give a grandchild, like the little kid, when you give a little kid a toy, when you give them a present, if you ever notice, you're not really looking at the present when they're opening it. You're looking at the face because you want to see joy on their face when they receive it. <gasps> you know, we, you, 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 that's your heart. Matter of fact, if you don't see it, you're kind of like a little disappointed. But you want to, why? Your goal is to bring joy to them. And that's the Father's heart, to bring joy to you, to have you filled with joy and rejoicing without reservation. And that's really a, a, a part of freedom. And so that's a good way to test it. That's all free. I didn't really plan to share that, but you got it. And, you know, you get what you get and you don't get upset, right? Anyways, um, let's, I want to read this scripture for you. Uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. As I said, this is kind of like the last in the series of what I call uh, glory setting the world free, the glory that sets the world free. And God has called us to be glory carriers. Uh, and uh, so out of Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, And Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power, or the power of of the Holy Spirit. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region and he taught regularly in their synagogues and, and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boy, uh, boyhood home, hometown, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. 
he unrolled the scroll, which by the way, the scroll in Isaiah could be up to 20, excuse me if I use feet, forgive me, you'll have to convert it, my, you know, my American comes out of me, 27 feet long. It's a lot of, so a lot of unrolling and re-rolling going on there. And um, he, he opened up the scroll uh, to the place that was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and for the blind to see, and to the oppressed, uh, that the oppressed will be set free. And the time of the Lord's favor has come. And, and actually, in another, in another gospel, he says, today that scripture is fulfilled. And so um, we're going to talk about this. And I, what I want to talk about this week is what he did in setting people free. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about how or what he needed to do that. Okay? But the, the, first, the, the first part is that this was a prophecy that was given a long time ago. And now Jesus is saying that this prophecy is fulfilled. Now, I believe that the goal of being what I call a glory carrier or someone uh, who is to carry the glory of the, world, the, the, the Lord to the world to set them free, it, he is in us. And the goal is for us to be like Jesus. Can I get an amen? The goal at the end of the day is to be like Jesus. If we are like Jesus, then we will do the things that Jesus does, right? What did Jesus do? Jesus healed the sick, uh, raised the dead, uh, uh, cast out demons, uh, uh, set people free. Set people free. And in this passage, it says that he, uh, like word had spread throughout all the town or all the region, and they heard that he was in town. And so people, my guess is that synagogue that day was probably more full than normal. More full than normal. So if we're going to be like Jesus, right, I guess the first question is, did anybody come here today because they knew you were going to be here? Interesting question, yeah? I mean, we're supposed to be like Jesus. You know, there was this pastor, he was trying to get a new uh, job and, uh, and like, uh, in pastoring, so this church needed a pastor, so they said, please come and preach. They wanted to see if he was a good preacher, and, uh, and, and, and if we like your preaching, then you can be our pastor. And so he came that day and showed up, and he preached a message about uh, we should be like Jesus. It was an amazing message. Everyone loved it so much that they said, you know, we want you to be a, uh, our pastor, and so it took him a couple of months to move there, and finally he moved there, and he got up the first Sunday, and everybody was excited. They showed up, and, and he preached the same exact message. You have to be like Jesus. God has called us to be like him. So everybody was thinking, well, maybe, you know, because he was, uh, you know, uh, busy moving and stuff, he didn't really have time to write another message, you know. So then the third week comes up, and he gets up on the, the, the next time, the next week, next Sunday he gets up, and he preaches exactly the same message. Now they're like, what's going on? Does this guy only have like one message? So the leaders that week came to him, and they said, you know, Pastor, we know that you've been busy moving and stuff, but like, do you have any other message, or is that the only message? And he said, when you get that one right, we'll move to the next one. There really is no other message. I could sit down right now and just say, be like Jesus. That's the end. That is the, the goal. 
But that day when, he, when they came to the synagogue, that day, there were different types of people there. There were probably people who had been touched by God, uh, touched by Jesus. Maybe they had been healed. They had experienced him, and that's why they were there. They were there because they were starting to follow him. And we know that the followers would become like him. Then there was other people. There were probably people who came because they were invited. Maybe someone said, hey, I heard this guy speak, man. He's amazing. And, and you know, and invited them, and that's why they were there. There were probably religious people there, people who, uh, like, you know, were skeptical. Have you ever been there? I've been, I've, I've come, I've come to, I've come to, uh, uh, if you want to use the word church, I've come to Sunday morning gatherings, not here in Bali, but uh, you know, at times where I've been skeptical and just sat there and said, yeah, okay, let's see if this stuff is true. I'm sure there was guys that were there that were like that. There was religious leaders who were probably like, who is this dude? You know? There were probably people there who were like, man, I know there's going to be a pretty girl there, so I'm, I'm, I want to get married. And then there was Jesus. He was there. The question is, is, which one of them is us? I mean, I think we want to be Jesus, but which one of us is on that road? What are we doing? Who are we? Are there people showing up because they know you're going to be there? I think that's kind of wild. That's what Jesus was like, so that's what God's called us to be like. Amen? Mm, not too many amens. Amen? Amen? Yes, yeah, somewhat. Maybe, there's a, maybe because you have the mask on, I couldn't really hear your Amen? But this is what God is calling us to be. God is calling us to be the one who stands up and says, today, this prophecy is fulfilled in your presence. Now, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Um, this is the way I think God thinks. Uh, not that I could ever say this is how God thinks, but just, just bear with me. I think you'll understand. I think there's a time in, 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 in life uh, or time, a time, let's just say it that way, where God looks at the world and he says, the world is in need of something or someone. Like there's missing peace. There's a peace that, that, that is not, like I'm not being reflected in the way. It's missing. It's not there. So I will create someone to come to the world and, and, and create someone so that when they're in the world, they're reflecting that piece of me. And that's you and me. I believe that's why God created us, that there was a, there was a missing piece in the world, that, that there was a way that we were supposed to uh, display God, like that's not being displayed in the world. And so God said, you know what, I'm going to create you. I'm going to, I'm going to create Johnson because, because the world needs a strong bodybuilder health guy <laughs> who's way more healthy than me, but he can uniquely shine my glory. Pastor Don can't do it his way, so I need to create him so the world can see me through him. That's, and so I would say to you that if we're just going to keep talking about Johnson, sorry Johnson, today that prophecy is fulfilled. He's here, and, and God is calling him to fulfill that prophecy, to shine God through him, that God's to shine through him in such a way that the world sees and gets set free. Because he says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me. Now I'm going to talk about that, what that, how, what that is all about in a couple of weeks. The Spirit of the Lord, to do what? To proclaim good news, 
to set the captive free, to, to make the lame walk and the blind to see, to proclaim the, 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 the favor of the year of the favor of the Lord. Now, wouldn't that be amazing in 2021, <laughs> almost forgot what year I was in, that you were to go around, that we were to go around and proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favor. Now, how radical is that? How radical is that? I mean, let's think about how we proclaim 2020. Not to favor of the Lord, but maybe we should have been. Maybe if we really were anointed and saw what God saw, we would say, this is the year of the Lord's favor. So this is what the Lord was doing that day, and this is what God has called us to do that day. Now, when Jesus came to uh, earth, uh, you have to understand the context, and I'm going to share a, a, about five minutes of that, and then, and then, and, uh, yeah, whatever. Then we'll see where we go. Uh, when he came, he was proposing something radically different, totally different than what was the norm. And he used this expression. He said, you can't pour uh, new wine into old wineskins, because if you do, the wineskins will break and the new wine will be ruined. Right? What was he talking about? When he came, this was brand new wine. He was saying it's a new way because the old way was what? The old way was uh, let's do a set of rules. Let's do a set of religious uh, things uh, and, and in such a way that we achieve the favor of the Lord, that we, we gain God's acceptance through what we do. And that's why there was rule after rule and, 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 and law after law. And, and that was part of the thing. The other part of it was what, what, uh, what, God, what God did was totally radical. What Jesus did was totally radical because what was talked about before was if you were to touch anything unclean, then you would become unclean, right? Like if, if you touched a dead body, then you couldn't go to the temple the next week. You couldn't go in because you were unclean. If you actually, they actually they had a, some kind of law where if there was somebody who died in a house and was sitting in a certain chair and you sat in that chair after a certain, too, too early, then you would be considered unclean and you would not be able to go into the temple. So what, what would they learn? They learned that, listen, if I touch anything unclean, then I will become unclean. And so what did they do? They surrounded themselves with clean things. And they didn't want to touch anything unclean. Now, I, I have to say that I think sometimes the, 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 the Christian community has actually taught this. Don't touch anything unclean or you will become unclean. Now, follow me for a minute here. When Jesus touched the dead, what happened? What was unclean? became clean. When Jesus stretched out his hand, he was not afraid. This is why the religious people got so mad at him. Why? Because they would say, you're hanging out with all these unclean people. You're going to become unclean. And he said, no, 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 no. I am going to make that which is unclean, clean. By the way, just a side thing, if light are we the light? I was supposed to be, right? If light goes into darkness and it becomes dark, it doesn't say anything about the darkness. It says everything about the power of the light. 
So if you walk into a place and it corrupts you, it's not saying anything about that corrupt place. It's saying everything about you. We're called to be the infection. You're catching that, right? We're called to affect. And so we're called to go into unclean places and what? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the favor of the Lord, to heal the sick. See, this is a whole new thing. Now, the wineskin is actually what I believe is, is what, what Jesus is talking about is our lifestyle. So God is calling our lifestyle to change from this rule-based system to doing something completely different and, 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 and to change our lifestyle so that we can hold the new wine that he is giving out, that we can hold the spirit of God that comes in and we can pour it out properly to other people. And to, so he's actually calling for a change of lifestyle, not where we surround ourselves. And that's why I'm saying the Christian church, not that we should surround ourselves with everything clean. Sometimes we insulate ourselves because we heard the verse, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, yes, that's true. However, bad company can never change unless we're there. So we surround, you know, the Christian church sometimes is, the communities have surrounded themselves and all we hang out with is each other. How are we supposed to affect the world if we're just hanging out with each other? You know, in the States, I remember getting in an argument with, with some of our leaders. They were like, what are you doing, Pastor Don? I'm like, I'm putting ashtrays out in the, Outside, so, so the guys that smoke cigarettes can not throw the stuff on the floor. And they're like, yeah, but you're allowing smokers into... I'm like, yeah, and what's the problem here? I thought that's what we were supposed to do. I was supposed to... How can I affect someone who's not here? Is that, am I making sense? You're catching this, right? You're getting the idea? So what I want to do just, you know, for a little while is I want to just kind of share what Jesus did, like four things that he did and that are necessary to set people free. I want to talk about four things that he did that are necessary to set people free, okay? This is what Jesus did. So if Jesus did it, right, we should do it, right? If Jesus does it, we should do it. Amen? couple of people got the amen there. I, maybe you're afraid to say amen because you know if you say amen, it means so be. It means you're supposed to do it and you, maybe you don't want to do it yet. You don't know what it is yet, right? Well, it's simple. The first thing that Jesus did, and we're going to talk about this part again in a couple of weeks, is the first thing that he did was what he did before this event. Before this event in chapter 4, uh, Jesus went out into the desert. And it says that he went out to be, he was led by the Spirit out there and he was tested while he was out there. But I believe that he went out into the desert and we see this over and over again in all the different places where Jesus went out alone to be with God. 
Jesus went out to be with God, to, whether it's to wrestle his demons, or not that he had demons, but you understand what I mean. It, it, but it, the whole goal was for him to go out and to get a hold of God. And we see him doing this over and over in, through the scriptures. He went out alone and he was praying, right? So the first thing that, that Jesus did in order to, uh, to, to begin to set people free was he got a connection with God. This is one of the reasons why I told the worship team that from now on when we start, I just want to get connected first. Before we even jump into it, let's just get connected. Let's go out into the desert and get connected with God. Let's, let's get alone with God and get connected with him. This is one of the things that we must do. Now, notice Jesus didn't stay there. In any time he talks about Jesus going out and being alone with God, he never stayed there. Why? Because, okay, he's with God. What does God do? Every time you're with God, what does God do? He says, go. Moses. Moses is all alone. He's out in the desert. All of a sudden, burden, burning bush, right? Standing there with, with the burning bush. He is with God. What does God say? Go. Deliver my people. Go. God is always calling us to get alone with him to what? Go back in to what? It's, it's the second thing where it says that Jesus went out. It says, even in this verse, it says he returned to the village. He went out to the villages. He went out to the people. He was always going out to the people that he was called to do, go to. And we're called to go out. We're called to go out and be with people. Now, I remember my brother David, who now is a pastor and doing amazingly well, but when he first kind of started out he he kind of like like living two different lifestyles he had he had you know he had the lifestyle one lifestyle and they had another lifestyle and you know usually you don't get away with that too long but i remember my older brother really knew him well and and so my brother david you know because he was so kind of hypocritical in the way he walked his christian life he was my brother david was trying to witness to my older brother and he was telling him about Jesus. And my brother, older brother said something, who now is a believer, but then he looked at my brother David and he said, David, when you start living it, I'll start listening. It's a really good point. No one's going to listen to us if we don't live it. And I would say to you that that's what, that's what our community is all about. Our community has helped us to learn to live the Christian life. So if, you know, uh, you know, me and, and Steve, you know, are in the same community together and, and, and we have a fight, well, then we have to, this is the best, best place that we can learn to forgive one another and to live in harmony with one another. We learn how to do it, you know. He helps me, I help him, and then Carol and... <laughs> Vifan, they're our, they're our spouses. They help us. They slap us in the head. They say, go forgive. Go help. <laughs> they help us. And we learn so that when we're out in, the, in, in people who are not in our community, we know how to forgive and then we display the glory of God. And so we must go out. That's why Jesus was always right in trouble because he would hang out with the, the, what, what people would say the sinners. And that's why he said in Mark chapter 2, he said, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come uh, to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. 
So we have to get with people who, who need Jesus. We can't surround ourselves with each other. We need to go out, as, 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 as the parable says, go out into the highways and byways and, 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 and plead with them and ask them, come, be with Jesus. So the second thing that Jesus did was he went out. Uh, and, and the third thing that he did was he went out with the word of God in his mouth. As a matter of fact, what? Jesus, it says, what about Jesus? It says, he is the word, right? He is the word. So when I say, be like Jesus, I can also say, be the word. Be the word. Now, the, you can't have something come out of you that's not in you. Okay? And so some of you say, well, I have, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Yes, but do you have the Word in you? Is it in your bones? Is it in your, in your, in your blood? Is it, is it part of you? Does it come pouring out of your mouth? Are you sitting here uh, when you worship or when you're home or when you're walking around? Does the Word of God pop into your brain? And the only way that's going to happen is if you fill your brain with it. You fill, your, you fill your bones with it. You fill your, inner, you, you fill your innermost being with the Word because when you fill your innermost being, what does it say? It says, out of the mouth it comes from what's, what's stored up in the heart. So he went out with the Word in his mouth. And that word is sharper than any two-edged sword able to pierce to the, I, I, sorry, King James, pierce to the dividing of soul and spirit and bone and marrow and is the discerner of men's hearts. That's why you need to have the word. The word is really powerful. And especially when the word is mixed with the spirit. I'll talk about that in about two months. So we need to have the Word of God in our mouth. It says, put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See, the sword is the Word. Now, there was a prophecy that was given a couple of months ago in our, in our, in our spiritual staycation. And that, that thing was, that God, that was said, listen, your sword is too short. It's not, it's not long enough, which means we need to get the Word better. So get into deeper. Get into the Word. Let the Word permeate. Thy Word have I hidden my heart. That? Anybody want to finish that? Somebody's got it. I heard somebody say it. That I might not sin against thee. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Word, man, the Word, the Word, the Word. And boy, when it comes alive in you, I won't even get into that. Okay, so then number four. So number one, he went into the desert. He got alone with God. Number two, he went into the, into the, uh, the, the, the villages. He went into the people that need help. That's where he went. This is how he proclaimed the favor of the Lord. This is how we will proclaim to Bali and to the world that Jesus Christ is Lord when we go out. And begin to tell. And when we go out, we go out with the, you know, uh, with the, sorry, I have an old, old song on my mind when I say the word of God. With the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. Really old. We will march right up on the victory side right into Canaan. 
which is the place they needed to conquer. Canaan's land. Old, old, old time. I'm an old timer. Sorry. They come up. Does, does the word pop up in you? If it's not popping up in you, it's probably not planted in you. Okay. Last one. He went forth. He went out in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went out in the power, and we're going to be talking about that uh, soon enough. But he, he, you see, you can't bring good news without power. You can't set the captives free without power. You can't heal the sick without the power of the Spirit. You cannot proclaim the favor of the Lord in a year of famine unless you have the power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why that song, make me a vessel, make me an offering. And then it's, it talks about pressing the wine. You've got to let the Lord press upon you to cause beautiful new wine to come out of you. That's why we need to hear. You know, we sing that song, and I'll tell you, that song was amazing. I felt God saying peace over me. That's when the Word and, and, and the, the Spirit kind of come together and it just changes you, rearranges you, amazes you. Amen?